If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer with UK thrash metal band Acid Rain, or you may know me from my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. You'll see my name is highlighted in the description. Just click on that and it will take you to my podcast where there is hundreds of fun interviews with people you know and like. But here, I am merely your guide through all things Motorhead. I am the custodian, and I've been looking for that word for many, many years to do these intros. I am the custodian of this virtual museum where every month I file away a few more fascinating interviews with a few more fascinating people who've got a few more fascinating things to tell us about the band that was, damn it, is motorhead so this episode is no different but with a little bit of a focused on well as i as i as comes up in this interview some people are not that big of fans of another perfect day and some are it's a strange one but one thing it definitely is is 40 years old (laughs) <laughs> you knew that was coming. And the deluxe 40th anniversary edition, you knew that was coming as well. Well, it's coming on the 3rd of November. Double CD, triple LP, splatter vinyl and digital. So go to imotorhead.com for more information about the Another Perfect Day um 40th anniversary editions they look tasty they've all been tasty and if you've got the others you kind of need this if you're a completist i'm rambling shall we get straight into interview no i need to remind you please wherever you're listening to this subscribe there'll be a bell there'll be a box there'll be something you can tick or you know press and you will subscribe that way a new episode of the motorcast appears in your player every time we release one and why not tell other people about the motorcast i've even had guests on who are huge fans and outside of the interview said do you know what i didn't actually know this existed i feel really bad i'm gonna have to go back and listen to loads of episodes i'm not going to tell you who they are mind but it's true so help everybody out tell you tell all your friends tell your family tell people you don't know that the motorcast is out there. Anyway, enough beating around the bush. It's now time to have a chat with Lips from Anvil. I always start these the same way. How did Motorhead first enter your life? Oh, well, actually, my ex-wife was a, kind of became a journalist for the Canadian New Music magazine. That's going back, well, 40 plus years or something <laughs> and uh, they sent her they sent her the ace of spades album right and that's how i discovered motorhead it's like back in you know back in its day right yeah absolutely so were you were you discovering it as a as a pre-release you know was it was it already well, out i mean the, the the other the other thing is there were there was a number number of different places that we be, became aware and there's this, you know, the crazy guy in our movie that drinks beer through his nose? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was the head of the Motorhead fan club in Canada. Right, okay, yeah, that tracks. And he kept on telling me about this band Motorhead, 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 and then I finally heard it from from my ex-wife's, <laughs> my you know, when, when she got the CD. And then, of course, uh, The Chase is Better Than the Catch started playing on FM radio and uh yeah <laughs> the rest is history right yeah absolutely absolutely it, it, going back to um, Ace of Spades to like that I mean that is a the prime era to kind of you know discover Motorhead yeah and and, and you know like it's interesting that album had just come out like that and our first album also came out at that at the, virtually the same time very very similar time and uh the record company got had uh, guy l mayer uh, from attic records was good friends with uh, with motorhead's manager doug smith and they 
agreed to have to let Anvil open up here in Toronto, where we, where we come from, on the release of our first album. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, so it, it was it was great. Uh, you know, the, like some of the things that, that I can remember is, uh, well, there were a couple things, obviously, uh, but but I mean, uh, I was backstage. So was my ex-wife, and let me. Lemmy walks up to her and he, he takes her hand and he kisses her hand. And I'm going, check that out. <laughs> you know, you got a guy that looks like a basically an ugly looking grizzly bear, and he he's the, <laughs> the nicest, the nicest gentleman you could ever possibly meet. <laughs> yeah. And it was just kind of remarkable. Um, you know, he watched he watched Anvil and from side stage was, you know. <laughs> I come off after I go, what'd you think? He goes, you're a great band, but you've got too many hard parts. <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey, that's a good impression, man. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and basically and fundamentally, we were, we hit it off uh, and we were friends uh, right to the end. Really? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's incredible that, you know, from your from your first album and, you know, getting to open for them. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's magical really, because in a certain sense, it was the, the onslaught and the beginnings of what we call heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> and the brother, the brothers of the, of that, of that sort of institution met very, very early. Like at the beginnings, right? It's just yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 of course the, the the other connections that came soon after it was was girl school, who also connected to Doug Smith, and yeah. we actually did our first Canadian tour with girl school, opening up for them, right across the whole country. So yeah, I mean it's like it's connections to the Motorhead camp. Yeah, stayed stayed solid to this day. I mean, I'm still in close contact with the girls' school girls uh, to this day, it, and uh, you know, as well as Raven, not to not to not to miss out on that. And it's uh, it's kind of cool, and as well as Saxon, like it's like a a, a brotherhood of bands, really. It's, yeah. it's quite quite interesting and we're all friends and we all watch each other's progress progress and move along and and it's not a question of of competition it's actually helping each other out when we can yeah that that kind of philosophy was was brought down by motorhead you know with he let me brought that you know you you weren't in competition you were you were you were his you were his his friend and his colleague, and yeah. uh, th there was a, an incredible warmth about him in that regard. I mean, he helped girl school, he helped Saxon, he helped Anvil. Whenever, as soon as he started, as soon as Motorhead started to rise, he started to bring his his favorite bands with him. Yeah, yeah. It's unprecedented, unbelievable attitude that I wish the rest of the music business had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were um, you you were you were suckered in early doors. You know, hey, everybody must be like this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's that's our first initially, uh, first initial uh, entrance into the into the uh, you know the recording recording band world and we did it with motorhead so it's actually it's it's remarkable i mean i i i hold that stuff close to my heart always have yeah. and it's it's kind of important and i think the world should know it i think that most people do every most people know that 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 the friendship goes back right to the beginning right so it's awesome yeah, and and he was, uh, you know, an incredibly generous individual. And uh, we had somebody on here. I, I wish I could remember who, who, um, who's um, like who broke a bass string just as they were about to start sound checking, 
and and Lemmy was kind of like, well, what's the big problem? You know, use mine. And he was, yeah, right. And it was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, unbelievable. You know, it, it, it's interesting. They had a, a rider on their contracts for the support bands. Okay, like when we first open for them here in Toronto. We had this rider and the first thing it says on the top of the rider, no bands should that open for Motorhead should wear spandex. Brilliant. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Which I got that's I got a real kick out of that. That's pretty funny. That's, that's brilliant, but I've never ever heard of a headline band having, you know, insisting on riders for support oh bands. yeah well, well motorhead had that you're not allowed to wear spandex if you're opening for motorhead Brilliant. i mean we didn't wear spandex but nonetheless yeah. it's like wow check that out he doesn't want posers opening for him right yeah absolutely absolutely that's awesome that's awesome so um as you said you know the 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 friendship endured so um i mean look anvil you've had you've had your ups and downs oh yeah absolutely I always I always looked at Motorhead as my recognizance and my 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 lookout. And they got they got there first, and I'm following. So everything that 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 they went through, I'm I'm certainly going to go through it and worse. <laughs> it's, but that's it. It's it's you just. It, but that's the thing. It's the it's the keeping going. It is the just refusing to quit. You keep going, you ride the waves, and you take the oh, rough cool. Hey, move. man, the only people who want you to quit are the people that don't like your band. <laughs> yeah. so why would you? Why would you listen to that shit? <laughs> you know, that's a great point. That's a great point. Like I'm, a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be. You know, you got thousands of people that love your band, and one, you know, individuals that come up and they rip and tear on you, and and they're far and in between, but. Why are you giving them? Why are you giving them stage time? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and did you, you know, did you um, play much with Motorhead through their career? Did you, were you, you know, did you get to tour with them again? Uh, yes, on and off, on and off. The, there were, there were, on, of course, through the years, there were always the, uh, the, the odd gig that we would do with them. You know, we, we, and I guess the, the last. I mean, it's important to talk about the last, yeah, because it was just after Lemmy had gotten his uh, his pacemaker. It was right. the day after, like he went and got the pacemaker and he's on stage the next night. Yep, that's Lemmy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. You know, he's. Uh, he he didn't care if he died on stage. It was like a a, a Trojan, you know. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, you know I'm gonna die with a sword in my hand. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've I've heard about how um, how much it pained him to ever ever miss a show for whatever. No, reason. no, no, man. And and it's funny because you know, of course, because we knew that he had just had the heart uh, stuff. Uh, and the album had just come out, and Rob asked him, "So, are, are, is your tour canceled?" And he goes, "Are you kidding me? What to be the point in putting an album out if you don't tour?" <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which uh, I remember going, "Okay, we didn't mean that. To, to, you know, he didn't mean it that way. He just meant that you've been ill, you know, but that he didn't want to admit that he was ill. Yeah, he fought it." like a like a madman to not give into it yeah you know and I, I mean that's really commendable it's incredible bravery yeah and it's kind yeah. of I, I think it's kind of what kept him going right to the you know right to the end he was playing shows up you know just a, a few weeks you know prior to his passing yeah no i mean it, it's it, it's remarkable um you know so the, the show this show in in los angeles was was we had a, it was great to get together with Lemmy at that point, but it was the it was my final my final time, and yeah. um, we had a an interesting discussion, and it was about diabetes, and it's actually kind of fascinating because of course Lemmy was 
suffering horribly from from that. A lot of people don't really realize it, but it, it was it, it's a very 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 difficult thing to to contend with, you know. Uh, and uh, my it, it's interesting. My my older brother was a research scientist working in Alabama, basically trying working on the cure for diabetes. And what what actually what actually eventually happened is they figured out all the genomes for for uh, what what gives you diabetes, which in other words, you can once you identify those things with something like stem cells research or that type of that type of technology, you could cure diabetes. Right. And this was a really big deal. Yeah. Well, when my older brother put his papers into the American government, who was backing the research, they pulled all the money. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. And why? Because they don't want a cure for diabetes. Yeah, and it's that's a possibility. There's way too much money in the sale of insulin, and that is why. Yeah. So I mean, that, that, in that discussion, Lemmy was just li just livid, just pissed off. Fuck, yeah. you know. And I I I can understand that. Imagine if you had something wrong with you, and there's there's a cure, and they won't give it to you. Yeah. Because they're making money because off 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 something that doesn't that doesn't actually do anything but take care of the symptoms it doesn't cure the the problem yeah and they're making so much money off that they won't they don't want anybody to get better well it's going to be a, a fair amount of few people um listening to uh, listening to this with diabetes who um who are going to be pretty pissed off to hear that that's for sure yeah well you know i think that most people must i think most people realize that there's got to be an answer to this this shit, or there's st something going on, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I so you got to know there's something going on. <laughs> so with that being with that being like you know the 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 last time you saw him was there uh, is there, you know is there anything that sticks in your mind other than the fact that he was livid about all of this? Well, it's 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 I think watching watching them perform. Yeah, and how ill. Lemmy actually was, was 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 unbelievable, right? From from my, from from a from a front man's perspective, from my perspective, yeah. I I don't know how he could do it. I don't know how he's doing that. Like, yeah, you know, he was so frail, like, yeah. and and so so ill, and he's standing like he walks up with a cane to the to the microphone puts the cane down and stands there and just plays. And you're going, how the fuck is he doing that? Yeah. Yeah. He just had, he just had heart surgery. Holy fuck, man. Really? It's, I mean, before the show, uh, Lemmy was texting everybody, like all of it, everybody in LA to come out to the show with the, with the, the, uh, the it could be my last time was his thing right and so uh, so as much as as much dave, as dave grohl, dave grohl was there and i went up and talked to him and he's going i got a text from lemmy this afternoon saying that he's he might not live much longer and come see him otherwise you may never see him again so yeah. dave grohl was there i mean it was it was a a huge amount of Everybody, anybody who was anybody was at that show. Yeah, and, know, and it sounds like Don Hawkins was there. Um, uh, you know, the, there was lot, there was a lot of a lot of celebrities there. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that you know what you were saying earlier about him, you know, kind of being a little bit in denial of of of, of his illness, um, but at the same time sending out a text like that it's kind of like yeah oh he was he was well he was well aware and he wanted to be sure that if it's coming he wants to say goodbye to everybody yeah you know that he was a, a very i think he was a very sentimental type of person
And he took friendship and people as the ultimate, probably the ultimate payment. Yeah. These are, these are things that I have in common. I I mean, I can, I can talk that way too. I think that, I think that, uh, that friends, (laughs) friends are the, are, are, are the value of life ultimately. And, and I, I believe that, I believe that Lemmy felt the same way. I mean, why stay friends with me? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, be <laughs> negative towards myself, but it, it's the truth. You, you know, why bother? What, yeah. what, what is there to, what is there to gain? <laughs> but the friendship is what was gained. Yes. It's being able to, it's being able to, Hey, I show up at your show. You show up at mine, whatever. We're we're old friends, you know? Yeah. I think, I think some of the, some of the the great, great, greatest moments, man, I got to tell you, I, I went down to uh, Florida to visit my parents during uh, uh, the winter uh, must've been, Oh, geez. (sighs) At least 20, 20 something years ago. And, um, uh, Motorhead was playing opening for Black Sabbath with Tony Martin singing. Right. Um, I went. I went to the show. Of course, uninvited or or anything like that. I I just went. I just went went there and got there early. Went into the back parking lot. Went up to the went up to the tour bus and knocked on the door. And of course, Lemmy came to the doors. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it was great. He came out of the tour bus and he had an attache case. <laughs> and we we walk into the into the venue, and of course, I, I take a look, and he's still got the same the same amp that he had when when we played in 1981 <laughs> okay wow I'm talking about it must have been 2005 2004 something like that yeah i'm talking about and there is that same marshall head with no morals that's what it said on it no morals yeah. he changed the lettering on marshall to no morals and that was his head <laughs> and just like wow he's still using it. yeah yeah right it's great um so we get into the change room. He flips open the the and, and we're talking about. Let me just got out of bed, right? So he's holding a bud, a Budweiser, and he's drinking it on the as we're walking. And he's about half finished. We get into the into the change room. He puts the can down, opens the attaché case, and out comes a bottle of 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 Jack Daniels, and he tops the can off. <laughs> he's got half beer and. <laughs> Half Jack Daniels, and that's his uh, fucking breakfast. Man. Breakfast of champions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> Just remarkable, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and so many people have the uh, you know uh, so many different stories about you know Lemmy and his and the fact that no matter what time of the day it was, he had a drink in his hand. You know. Yeah, and that's right. I mean uh, that. Uh, that was him that that, that was him it, he's a very yeah. uh, a very natural type of guy you know yeah very little pretense you know what i mean you know what i'm saying he was yeah but now it that's really interesting you say that because for somebody you you're absolutely spot on for somebody with very little pretense who didn't think of himself as better than anybody else who would talk to anybody um oh, yeah. you know essentially a completely, totally normal bloke, and yet everybody who worked with him has left this massive impression. But wisdom, yeah. Oh, I can't even begin. Look at at when we toured with them in uh, in '83 for another perfect for the other another perfect tour all through the UK. We get to Birmingham and we had a night off, so I go and I'm going to go party with Lemmy. <laughs> Okay, so I make my way up to his up to his hotel room, and he's he's got a, a huge bottle of vodka and orange juice, right? So he starts mixing the drinks and goes, "This is called vodka." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm not much of a drinker, and it didn't take too long, and I was fucking ripped drunk. 
and Lemmy's going, you're looking a little knackered and under the table. <laughs> I've got just the solution. And, I, and I'm going, okay. And he pulls this, he pulls this little leather, leather sort of pouch out of his jean jacket, opens it up, sticks a knife in it, and it's got this white powder. He sticks a knife under my nose and he goes, sniff it, you cunt. <laughs> oh, dear. oh my god and i went from drunk to as straight as a as a fucking judge okay right. yeah and, I, and now i can continue drinking and it's not doing fuck all to me i'm i'm snorting pure fucking amphetamines and sitting there <laughs> vibrating like a goddamn dildo you know what i mean it's just like holy fuck and oh, the wow. discussions the discussions kept on like we just talked all all night like yeah. unbeknown that it's all night we got the drapes closed you're sitting there and you're all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and uh, it's the tour manager goes okay boys time to go and we go time to go where are we going to the gig to the gig yeah you guys have been sitting here for 24 hours oh my god <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You gotta love this. It's just, it's just awesome. And the wisdom of that night, the things that we talked about. I mean, I could, you could go go into great detail. I'm sure that there was a lot of it that was talked about in the movie. Uh, you know, his, his, his don't get married. Yeah. You know, the, one of the one of the one of the things he said to me: don't get married. You know. He says you're going to leave that woman at home, and women need a shoulder to lean on. And if your shoulder's not there, someone else's will be. Yeah. Yeah. And sadly, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, it's incredible, like you say, the wisdom of the man. Um, I, I spoke no, he, to he, he, he was he had a he had a, a, a real sense of of life and, and a grasp on it. He really did, and, and in my opinion, but I mean, being ten years older than me, it was like an older brother, you know. And he's telling me what to watch out for and not not to do this or not to do that. And if you're going to do it, do this, you know, like those kind of those kind of uh, words of wisdom, which is just just phenomenal and um i learned a lot but also very very kind of um uh sibling as well like a like a like a brother look learn from my mistakes you know, yeah, that's, you know? that's right that's right and he, Don't he was make your very own. Learn very, from very, very transparent on it and very very uh very very exacting and 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 descriptive and 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 he was very very uh articulate yeah and honest yeah i mean the, the thing the thing is uh, uh, he's a, a, a serious book reader yeah yeah history you know and, 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 a, and a, a, a devoted crazy beetle fan which is <laughs> amazing yes <laughs> you yeah, know you yeah. have a lot of people going he liked the beetles he more than liked them <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on, man. He had he had uh, at that time in the eighties. If you had a VHS player, like a like a video player, you're, you, very few people had them. He had one, so he could watch all all the Beatles stuff. Wow! In his hotel room. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh yeah, man. It's it really it was. It was extraordinarily, the Beatles meant a lot to him. And they mean a, a, a hell of a lot to me too. And uh, these are, these are, are, are details to what, what we had in common, not, not to mention many other bands, but most yeah. of all Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Ozzy's, Ozzy's the same, you know, it's, 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 you know, it, it's a real era, you know, the Beatles inspired a lot of musicians that you'd be surprised by, like, you know, Ozzy and Lemmy, for instance. Oh, and yeah, yourself, of course. Yourself. How can you not be? <laughs> it's like <laughs> unbelievable. Other things that, that he told me about was, of course, his his uh, stint at, uh, with 
with working for Jimi Hendrix being his roadie. Yeah, wow, which that was, must have been which, which was like, what the hell? <laughs> He's going, uh, Jimmy would go, okay, man, I need some acid. Go and get me some acid. So let me go out and get the acid. And he'd go, okay, now uh, Jimmy would say, you do it and tell me how it is. <laughs> so Lemmy would do a, did a did a hit of acid, and he's like fucking flying, and he's going, it's it's fucking good. So Jimmy goes, yeah, great, and he'd do three of them. Oh god! <laughs> well, oh. that's how Lemmy described it. He goes, I did one, he did three. <laughs> Holy shit! Wow. Let Lemmy got out Lemmyed by Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean it's. We're talking about after Jimmy's death. So it's, you know. Yeah. Obviously, there were things going on with that guy, man. Yeah. It went too far. It went too far. But that's that's incredible. That I, I I didn't know Lemmy had um I didn't know Lemmy had crewed for um for Jimi Hendrix. That's um that's amazing. Oh yeah, he was he was his roadie and or whatever and worked for worked for Jimi Hendrix. That's pr- I mean, you wouldn't, but it's it, it's what it what it is, man. It, it it it's obviously the truth. He's not gonna. He's not lying yeah. about. It. <laughs> it's just that crazy family. It's that crazy family tree of music, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable that um, the, the 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 people that I've actually crossed paths with as a result of being in a band and and hooking up with people in England it's just it's it's phenomenal um there was a, a mutual friend of most English musicians that was known as Philip Harvey Lord Philip Harvey do you know who that is I don't know okay Lord Philip Harvey was the queen's cousin Ah, right. Okay. And he owned an insurance company that insured the Air Force. Right. Okay. The English Air Force. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So needless to say, a very, very wealthy gentleman, but at the same time, a total hippie freak. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this guy was the last person that Jimi Hendrix spent the evening with. Him and the girlfriend. Right. So I didn't know that. I found that out only recently. And I go, what is, wow. And I knew this guy. That's like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) How did we meet Philip Harvey? Well, after we, uh, after we played the Donington festival, we were getting in a van in the back parking lot of the, of the behind the stage and stuff, uh, after we played and, and stuff, and there was a guy standing at a safari van. Like it looked like a, something right out of Africa, a real long, really long hair and a, a denim jacket just covered in, in in patches and stuff. And he's an older kind of guy, right? And the guy starts going, hey, Anvil, come over here, come over here, right? So we kind of go over, and, and that's Philip. <laughs> and we started hanging out with him. We we. We were there for another week or two in, in England, and we were going to his place every every fucking night. <laughs> it's just one of those kind of things. And Philip was one of those kind of guys that, of course, endless money. So what do you want to? What do you feel like doing tonight? Right. <laughs> one of those kind of guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and th- this guy. He he was no the girls school girls know him knew him uh, as well and uh, th- there was one night that we actually spent in at, at Phillips uh, partying away with uh, you know all free drinks free free cocaine if you wanted it <laughs> wow and mushrooms in in honey sauce. <laughs> Just, it come out. It came out with a silver platter, literally a silver platter, with all this these drugs on it. <laughs> That's I, 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 that is how the other half live. Literally, that is how the other half live. It's just like what? <laughs> well, sadly, um, well, Philip was actually had the same birthday as me. He's also a March second guy, right? 
And there were things, a very interesting, interesting character. And sadly, he passed away. I think he committed suicide from what I understand. Oh, dear. And it was the girls' school girls that told me that. that. So, yeah, it's. A, I mean, you know, what what can I say? But but all these these people and and stuff. I mean, Philip was friends with. It 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 goes it goes. We introduced the guy who made the Anvil movie. We introduced him as a, as a fifteen year old to Philip. Right. So he started going over to. Philip's place as a as a little as a young teenager he goes over one day and he's sitting at the kitchen table and this guy with a straw a straw hat comes in long hair sits down at the table starts rolling a joint it was Jimmy Page (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah it's just it's just remarkable that sounds that sounds incredible at such different times as well yeah, it was a different era, different times. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and like I said, people and and places are the value of your life, man. That's what it is. So yeah, uh, and and how 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 you look at those things is very it can be very important. Well, it certainly has been for me. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and well. As you said, you know, Lemmy had his own philosophies and, and you know, he was never one for, he was never one for buying a house, you know, putting down any roots. All he needed was somewhere just to rest his head. That's all he... Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I love the philosophy. I only live in one room at a time. What do I need a house for? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going, what? <laughs> it's weird, man. Like, I can tell you this too. We went out with a, a support band called White. Uh, I gotta remember that. It, it, I guess it doesn't matter what the name is at this point. But the guitar player, Will, <laughs> he moved into. He's he was living in Lemmy's apartment in L.A. Right. Oh, right. He's also English, an English guy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so he was living up living there up until about six months ago. But he subletted it to somebody else because he has he was thinking about going back to England and then rented the place and then found out he's not. So he's gonna eventually move back. But it's the same two-bedroom apartment that Lemmy had in, in LA. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad that it's being maintained by somebody. Yeah, it's it's just kind of fascinating. Wow, <laughs> how small the world is. What are the chances that the guy in my support band has moved into Lemmy's apartment? It's like yeah, it's a little it's hell? a little nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like there's a a mag a magnet to uh, to a coincidence or something. It's weird, just weird. I, I that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it's it, it is incredible, and that um, and that final time that you that you 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 got to hook up with Lemmy seems to um seems to have left um a, a big impression on you as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's just remarkable, remarkable kind of guy, man. It's you know, I I love talking about him and stuff, and and actually d- during our uh, during my set. There's always a there's always a section of the set where I dedicate a song to him, and I I usually give one of my stories. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, one of the stories. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff, you know. Not not to mention the 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 trials and tribulations during the the the, the perfect tour, which was anything but perfect. <laughs> Yeah, you must uh, you must have had a unique point of view for for what was going on on that tour. Yeah, because they they had uh, they had Brian Robertson in, in the band, and it was a misfit. Yeah, it, it, it was, but and even backstage, it was. It, it was never. It was never. Uh, it was never a happy place. Not really. Right. And and Brian was was extraordinarily, I don't know, just I think difficult to get along with for, for Lemmy. You know, he wanted him to. Lemmy was like 
I, I need you to play these, this, you know, I need you to play Ace of Spades. I need you to do that. And he's like, I'm not going to play it. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know, had a tough time. Um, and then things came to a, a head pretty much at the Hammersmith in London uh, because Eddie Clark came up and played a song. Right. And that pissed Brian off so fucking bad. He wouldn't come back out. I think it was a thing where he wouldn't come back out to finish the set. And I think Eddie had to finish the set. Wow. That's, yeah. That's uh, that's going to leave a, a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah, that was like, oh, that's too bad, man. Yeah, and that's something you don't recover from if you're, if you're, you're letting Lemmy down like that. You're not going to get. You're not going to get another chance. No, I don't. I, I think that Lemmy knew pretty much at the onset of the tour, this guy's not going to last. I think he was extraordinarily happy with it, with, with the album. He certainly, he certainly seemed that way. You know, I was at a festival in Belgium and Lemmy was there not playing, just him being there. And okay. he was, it's actually fascinating. They, he got up in a hot air balloon and he was throwing out right. commemorative towels. <laughs> and you look up, I look it up, and I see the, like a little speck in the sky, and and you can, and you look really closely, and you can see it's Lemmy. You see his mustache peering out, and him peering out of the thing, looking down and throwing towels on. It's like what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, after he'd come come back down to earth, and he, he was hanging around uh, backstage and stuff. And I'm walking along, and there's um, there's those containers. They're like they look like the back of a of a transport truck. They're the containers yeah. that, that that they make uh, uh, change rooms out of. And I'm walking by, and I've got I've got a leather jacket with the fringes. And all of a sudden, someone's grabbed my the fringes on my right arm, and I'm. I turn around and it's Lemmy <laughs> and he's standing on the stairs and he's got a hold of me. He's going, get your ass in here. And he pulls me in and he pulls out a Walkman. He sticks the fucking headphones on me. He's going, you got to listen to this right now. <laughs> and, and that's what, what that was my first listen to another perfect day. Ah, right. Okay. And of course he wanted to know, what do you think of it? You know, I mean, there was the thing is um, that I didn't give any backstory. He had asked me to join. Oh, right. What, what had actually happened? Motorhead had come to come to Toronto. Yeah. And they were playing a, a huge, huge venue. And they got on stage and they're playing away. All of a sudden, Lemmy got some kind of spasm of some sort in his arm. And he ended the set early. Well, that pissed off Eddie Clark and he quit that fucking night wow and went back to england we get a call from doug smith asking me to fucking join like i'm, wow. in, the middle of, I'm in the middle of recording forge and fire i can't i can't leave yeah. <laughs> i'm in the middle of recording an album <laughs> it's like holy christ man <laughs> and these are things that really happen and of course uh it wasn't until I think I saw him again at the Reading Festival and he was pissed off at me. He goes, why the fuck you didn't join? What the fuck's wrong with you? You know what it would have done for your career? And I'm going, well, it would have ended Anvil. It would have ended Anvil, yeah, that's for sure, yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, it's like, but when it came to realize I'm, I was under contract, I, I can't do it, I I. You know, I, I would have, there's nothing I would have loved more, but I can't do it. It's yeah. just the way it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and if you had. And, and after he, he forgave me full, full on, forgave me to the point where he wanted us to open for the uh, another perfect tour. And the entrance into it was that moment that the, at the, at that, at that festival when he had me listen to the album and he wanted to know what I thought about it. And then when, of course I was wildly in, impressed. Like I yeah. still, I still think that that's one of their greatest albums that they ever did. And, but I mean, everybody has a different 
a different perspective on Motorhead, what, what they like, what they don't like. And that's everybody's up entitled. But um, as far as I was concerned, there are things on what, And because I did the tour, those songs really resonate yeah. with my memories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that album. Is yeah, 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 you can't get away from it. Yeah. That album is literally like a, a part of the soundtrack of your life for those years. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I get it. I get it. And and there is a huge part of the fan base um, that has got a lot of love for another perfect day. You know, there's yet yeah, without a doubt, there's some people who just feel it's a it's an oddity and it doesn't fit the catalogue. But then there's definitely, um, an, you know, another group of people who absolutely love that album. Yeah, it's it's not. You know what? If, of course, it's not like the rest. It had Brian Robertson in it. It's not going to be, and he never came back. <laughs> so it's yeah. a only it's a one time deal. What's going on that on that record? And if you don't, if you got to understand that, and as soon as you look at it from that from that point of view, you're going, yeah, it's yeah. a special, a very special album. It is no yeah. question about it. And it is just, it's you know, it's another step on on their career, you know. There's so many things that's just, just remarkable of course uh, during the, at the right at the beginning of the tour uh we i take a look at brian brian's hand is completely bandaged up right. all bandaged up he had gotten <laughs> stitches in his hand what had happened he was opening a can of tuna fish for his son for for lunch or whatever and he cut his hand open yeah so they had taped, he had taped, his, his hand was all bandaged, right? So, of course, this was a problem. So he, he gaffer taped, he gaffer taped a guitar pick to the, to the bandages in his hand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to see this was unbelievable. And, of course, he had dyed his hair red and he kept on running his hand with the bandages through the, through his hair and his hand went all pink oh god <laughs> you couldn't write this uh, yeah you go is this real like it's just some of the stuff it's just uh, it's just phenomenal i i i doubt he'd even remember it that's insane that really is that really is i mean it's bad enough you know cutting your hand and having to bandage it, but then walking around with a pink bandage because you've... Yeah, that's right, a pink bandage in, in front of a motorhead crowd. It's like, what? Yeah, that could only happen to Brian, really. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's. Incredible. I mean, some of the stuff, some of the antics, some of the stuff is just like, what? <laughs> I'm watching from side stage and they're playing away and I, I'm not sure what song it was, but there was an echo, echo cue like Brian had his pedals on stage. Well, what they did is, they, of course, they have they have uh, smoke machines. Well, they they the fog machine. So they put out all, <laughs> they put all the fog out on the machine, and oh, no. Brian's guitar is echoing, ang, 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 and he he's stomping all over the place. And he goes, "I can't find my bloody pedals. Where's my fucking pedals?" <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> That's brilliant. And I just stand there going, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> oh mate, that is so Spinal Tap as well, isn't it? It's so foggy, I can't find my pedals. He can't go searching around in the smoke to find his pedals. He can't step it off and shut the thing off, and it's echoing away. <laughs> oh god, that is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. That really is. Oh dear! Um, I, look, just, I, I just hope that he doesn't see this and me talking about it. He'll be going that fucking guy. I'm gonna fucking kill him if I ever see him again. <laughs> yeah, next UK tour. Watch you back. <laughs> oh, I, I last saw I last saw Brian was in 2006 at the Sweden Rock Festival. Yeah, and it's actually in the movie. Right. If if you watch the movie, Brian comes walking up, and I and I said, "Look at who we're meeting," and there was Brian. Right. And how was the meeting? He was he was actually pretty cool, man. But I, I have to say that the wardrobe was like, what the fuck? Leather pants with flip-flops. <laughs> the, the, the wardrobe with Brian has always been a thing. Yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
it's, it certainly leaves an impression. Yeah. Oh man, look, um, Lips, I cannot thank you enough for coming on here. I really can't, and and I know the listeners are going to be loving, love to hear all these stories. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, sparing your time today. I really do appreciate it. Well, that's good, man. You you picked the right guy for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, mate. Thanks for coming on. Okay, man. Thank you. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. Yes, I am constantly going to say that because it's the truth. That was a great, great time. Um we were giggling away like kids there. Well, as you could hear at times, and and it was clear that Lips was remembering so much stuff as we were talking, and um, it was just it was just a lovely way to pass the time. And I hope uh, it, that's had the same effect for you. Now, please do remember, as I said earlier, do subscribe and just keep the name of Motorhead alive. We are here at uh, Motorcast Towers. I am doing my best. We are getting so many interviews in. The label's really helping. Miles is really helping. Now, Miles is the guy who is behind the Motorcast and all of the Motorhead stuff you get. And he's probably going to be not too impressed that I've actually uh, mentioned him on the show. But it's Miles Hackett. And he's, he's an absolute diamond. And without him, this show would never have got off the ground. It wouldn't have existed So make sure, if you ever bump into Miles, that you tell him thank you very much. And, totally selfish podcast reasons, the next episode of my podcast, Talking Bollocks, that's coming out, is an interview with Miles. So maybe check that out as well. Anyway, make sure you check out the 40th anniversary, Another Perfect Day reissues, and make sure you just keep it motorhead i guess it's an absolute pleasure doing this it's been a pleasure seeing you all and bumping into you all at various motorhead events or acid rain gigs or wherever and hopefully that will continue to happen so until next time remember subscribe tell everybody to listen to the official motorhead podcast the motorcast I don't show you greed. The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.